Welcome to Inside the Pages, insights from today's most compelling authors. I'm your host, Chris McGregor, and I'm delighted to be joined by Father Peter John Cameron. He is the founding editor-in-chief of the monthly worship aid, Magnificat. He is also the artistic director at the Blackfriars Repertory Theater in New York City. Father Cameron has authored books such as The Classics of Catholic Spirituality, Why Preach, Encountering Christ in God's Word, and Jesus Present Before Me. Meditations for Eucharistic Adoration. We go inside the pages of Father Peter John Cameron's book, Mysteries of the Virgin Mary, Living Our Lady's Graces, published by Servant Books. Welcome, Father Cameron. Hello. I cannot describe to you the unbelievable joy I've had reading Mysteries of the Virgin Mary, Living Our Lady's Graces. Father, this is just tremendous. Oh, thank you. That makes me so happy. Well, it's beautiful. You've hit on just about every aspect, even the holy name of Mary, you mentioned in this beautiful uh, breaking open of the heart of Our Lady to us all. Just thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome. I love the holy name of of Our Lady. It's one of my favorites, and uh, so I couldn't wait to get to that when I was writing the book. Of course, many know you as the editor-in-chief of the wonderful Magnificat. I, it, it is a tremendous companion for all of us who are trying to enter into that beautiful rhythm of the Church, that feeding that we have through its celebration of the liturgy. So just, again, thank you for that as well. Oh, you're welcome. It's a great blessing for me to be able to work on it, so I share that with you. One of the things that Magnificat does so beautifully is it allows the saints to speak to us about their experience, but also it speaks to us of our experience today. And throughout the mysteries of the Virgin Mary, living Our Lady's graces, you really you call upon the great cloud of witnesses to do just that for us. And that was a, a deliberate um, intention on my part because... There, there has been so much love expressed towards the Blessed Mother and uh, so much of a need to um, witness and testify to the role and the power of the Blessed Virgin Mary in the lives of so many saints and spiritual masters. I just felt that the great, one of the greatest strengths of the book would be to let them speak. And as I mentioned in, in, the, in the foreword, I, uh, for me, many of the voices were new. So as I was doing the research, I was just so excited to find out what these authors, many of whom I've never heard of before, were saying about the Blessed Mother and how she had been so instrumental in their lives. There's nothing cold about the delivery that you have of the Blessed Virgin in this work. I mean, there is this beautiful interplay of drama, whether it's reflecting on the Our Lady of Sorrows or it's of those great joys in the life of Our Lady. And I wonder if that has something to do with your background as a writer, as a playwright, not unlike how John Paul, as a playwright, was able to capture that essence of Our Lady for many of us. Well, I'm sure there's something to it, because no matter what I'm looking at, I'm always looking at it from the point of view of of the drama. That is to say, well, well, John Paul II used to say that the great drama of uh, of modern of modern man is that he lives without a meaning. He lives divorced from his meaning, and so. Everything that the Holy Father said and did, in my judgment, 
was a way of trying to put people in front of that meaning so that they could see it. That is to say, to, to sort of woo them into living their humanity, which a lot of us leave by the wayside because we get weary. We, we begin to believe that happiness is an illusion, that we, there is no purpose to my life or to life at all, that suffering has the, the, the greater hand, that evil is more dominant than love, and after a while it begins to wear us down. And everything the Holy Father says, beginning with the first words of his pontificate, you know, do not be afraid, are a kind of a, a, a call to hope, you know, heralding us to hope. And, and certainly the Blessed Mother is in our life for that same reason, to um, enable us to be able to look at our lives and see beyond the sadness or the misery or the confusion or the lack of purpose to the something greater. And the something greater has a face, you know, mm-hmm. it's her face, and she leads us to the face of her son. And and in, in the gaze of Jesus Christ, we find the everything that we've been waiting for. Mm. It, what's so beautiful about this book, though, it, it speaks to my heart in such an overflowing way, is that you marry that theological expression with devotion, why the the practice of the devotion to Our Lady is, is such a natural outgrowth and so essential to the health of our spiritual life. Well, I, I can't take any of the credit. That's my Dominican vocation. This is mm-hmm. what Dominicans are are um, are called to do. It's why the Dominican Order exists, and it's what uh, Dominicans have done from the time of Saint Dominic to um, show that there is no disparity at all between theology and spiritual life. And this is something that the Holy Father even recently has been saying has to begin again, this reuniting of of theology and and spirituality, Um, and especially with the Blessed Mother, because for many, many see her just as a sort of an add-on to Christian piety, you don't really need her, but if you have her, okay, that's your particular brand of being a Christian. And nothing could be uh, uh, farther from the truth. There's a reason why our Lord on the cross gave Mary to us, pointed her to be our mother. It's because we really can't live our life without her. And um, what, and it's very mysterious, but I, I'm really of the opinion that, well, I think it's going a little tangent, Pope Benedict XVI has a theory that if, if purgatory didn't exist, we would invent it, because we need to know that there is one more chance for mercy in our life before the ultimate end. And I have the same theory regarding the Blessed Mother, that if, if Our Lady were not given to us by our Lord from the cross, or if we didn't know about her, if she was just some sort of mysterious figure in in the, the pages of scripture like Melchizedek who appears and, and then disappears, we would go and search for her because it's Our Lady who makes our Lord concrete in our life. And the abstraction that many people have in terms of living their Christianity, turning Jesus into an idea or reducing him to his teachings, is a, a cause of a lot of sorrow and misery in people's lives. They don't know him as someone who walks with them, as a companion, as a friend who's whose voice they can hear, and the Blessed Mother uh, gives us that assurance that, that 
that her son, Jesus Christ, is very close to us. It is heartbreaking in some ways that there will be those who will even avoid a, a coming to a, a love for the Blessed Mother because there's a fear in their hearts that somehow it would diminish their love for Jesus. Right, but the reality is, see, everything that the Lord does is through His humanity and, and for our humanity. And He understands our humanity like no one else does. There's a beautiful line in, in the early chapters of John where it says, Jesus didn't need anyone to tell him what was in, human, in the human heart. He understood it very well. So, for example, there have been studies done about soldiers in the midst of battle who are wounded on the battlefield. They cry out for their mothers. Mm. Now, why do they do that? And of all the people in the world at that moment that they want, might cry out to, why is it that person, their mother? And what are they expecting? Because their mothers are not there with them in the field of battle. They're thousands of miles away, usually. But there is some relief, there is some consolation that comes just by recalling the fact that they have this relationship, that they really are a relationship with their mother, and it enables them to meet this this greater sort of challenge or, or, or threat that is hanging over them, which is their death. And it's very interesting that when we pray the Hail Mary, that's exactly what we pray for now and at the hour of our death. So the, this connection between the human heart and biological motherhood is something that the Lord understands and that he, in a, in a way, perfects by giving us the Blessed Virgin Mary as the one that we can call out to in those moments of really dire need. How Our Lady interacts with grace and with us, that's a difficult one for Catholics today, that we just don't have the articulation in our heads and how that works, Father. Which is the reason why the Church, in her wisdom, throughout the liturgical year, provides us with these liturgical feasts of the Blessed Virgin Mary. Because one of the great principles of, of Marian theology and Marian devotion is that every grace that God gives to Mary is not intended solely for her. Every grace that He gives to the Blessed Virgin Mary, He gives to the Mother of God for us, so that we can become who we're meant to be. And so one of the prime purposes or the aims of the book is to show how each of these liturgical feasts, which are about Mary, on the surface they're about Mary, they're really about us. How, if we enter into these mysteries of the Blessed Virgin Mary, what we need in our lives to be more fulfilled, to have a greater sense of satisfaction, is given to us through her. And this goes right back to the Garden of Eden, because when Adam and Eve disobey in the hopes of becoming like God, they forfeit their relationship with God. And so in returning us to the, the, that paradise, God, of course, is the one who puts the desire in us to be like him. But it is meant to come through a relationship. And so in giving us the Blessed Virgin Mary, that um, that temptation to to, to uh, try to become like God on our own is in some way thwarted because we have before us someone who is so beautiful, someone who loves Jesus Christ and God like nobody else could ever love him, and who mothers us. That is to say, she mediates to us every good thing that she has, just as a mother mediates her very life to the child in her womb. That's what she offers to us and makes it possible for us to become like God in a way that Adam and Eve could never become like God by 
by grasping at him. And at the same point, and at the same time, as we pursue that sacred desire to become like God, we are blessed by this inestimable friendship with the Blessed Virgin Mary, in which we see the holiness that we're hoping for. I mean, she's, she's the personification of everything that we're destined to become. Mm. That is uh, so reflective of how you write about the, in that section on the Immaculate Conception. It, yeah. it, it is probably one of the best chapters, the, one of the best tellings, and, and, and done not necessarily deliberately so, but it, you are able to accomplish the best explanations of why the Immaculate Conception is so important in the life of the Church. Well, it's something I've been thinking about for 24 years as a priest, and every December 8th, when a few days before that, that solemnity it comes, I, I, I'm always so challenged to try to find some new way to make this most mysterious of the mysteries of, of Mary really concrete for people, because this is the one in which many people just are tempted to feel that somehow they're not involved, or that's great for Mary that she's immaculately conceived. I'm not. You know, I, I have concupiscence, and I, I actually sin, and it's wonderful that the Blessed Mother never sinned, but what does it have to do with me? So it's the fruit, it's the fruit of, of much uh, contemplation and meditation on that mystery, but it's so crucial for us because, I mean, what we, what we see in the Blessed Virgin Mary immaculately conceived is a possibility for living our lives, even with our limitations and our weaknesses and our short shortcomings, and even with our actual sins, that will never, um, that, that saves us ever from lapsing into a kind of a desolation or a despair, or kind of a blackmail, feeling blackmailed by our own inability or our actual sins. Again, it's, it's one of the causes of, of tremendous sorrow in many people's lives, that they just feel somehow... Um, blackmailed by their 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 inability to to be better or to to overcome weaknesses or or defects that they see in themselves and the immaculate conception is the promise that if we stay close to her everything that we need for moral greatness and for 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 holiness will be given to us not because we're immaculately conceived but because we're willing to accept in our lives the gift of the one who God set apart in this way, who lives for us, to mother us into that kind of holiness and grace. And to, again, to, to take us into that heart, that expression that is given such life here in the mysteries of the Virgin Mary living Our Lady's graces. I mean, even that, that great entering into the immaculate heart of Mary, you're able to do that so beautifully with the help of the saints. And it's interesting that, uh, again, Pope John Paul II um, elevated that liturgical feast of the Immaculate Heart of Mary from an obligatory memorial, so that is to say uh, a feast in the Church that a, ch- uh, that a priest could opt to celebrate or, 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 you know, or, or opt not to celebrate, to an obligatory memorial. That is to say, it's one that we are required to observe and to celebrate each year. And so, again, it says something about uh, our need there's something that we need from that mystery in order to be able to live our Christian life with the kind of depth and authenticity and integrity and and it has to do with um, 
sort of being divorced from our own hearts, as I was saying in the beginning, that mm-hmm. many people go through their lives without a sense of the meaning of their life, and they feel in some way um, that the truth that they're looking for and the beauty that they're looking for and the goodness and the justice that they need in order for life to be full and complete is is it's just not there it's just an illusion that it's it's never it's never really going to happen um the big questions of life uh you know why am i here and what is my purpose and and where am i going and how can i deal with suffering in my life all of these are the questions that that fill our hearts as the catechism says the heart is the place of encounter it's where i make a decision for life or death uh it's it's where um, I, I really grasp, gra- uh, grapple with my destiny. And we can't really know our heart without somebody else. I can't really be myself without someone looking at me and helping me to become who I am. I, uh, I, just, I, I, I have to have somebody in front of me who will correct me, who will encourage me, will help me to see things that I can't see in myself because we're all a little bit short-sighted. It's just, it's just the nature of of what it means to be human, that we come to see who we are in communion with others. And the heart of the Blessed Virgin Mary is offered to us to be that assurance of uh, that the meaningfulness and the truthfulness of life that we're looking for is real, and that the more that we cling to the love that she offers us through that heart, the more uh, what we're looking for becomes plain to our eyes. Such are the images of Our Lady, especially, you know, with statuary and some things there. She's either always pointing us forward, ideally Mm -hmm. up to heaven, or she's got her arms out waiting to embrace us. There's always an engagement, isn't there? There's always a a little drama going on. I mean, it's, there's an, an action that, that calls for our freedom to respond. And, uh, and it's beautiful because there's, there's something so attractive about the Blessed Mother. Again, John Paul II, in, in his great book on uh, Marian theology called Theotokos, refers to the Blessed Mother as an icon of the Father's mercy. And also, as I mentioned in my own book, if you take the image of Our Lady of Guadalupe and you superimpose that either on the, the image of Our Lord on the Shroud of Turin, Mm-hmm. or the the painting of mercy that uh, was revealed to uh, St. Faustina. Amazingly, the features of our, our, our Blessed Mother's face and our Lord's face match up. Wow. So there is something about the face of Mary that reveals the, the face of Christ. And, and the more we gaze at that, the more it really draws us to what our heart is made for. And so I love that when Magnificat is able to capture that dynamic in just a, a beautiful sacred image. Those images are revealed to us today in a very real way through that grace of those apparition type of experiences, that punching through of heaven to us in salvation history at our moment right now. And it just like Guadalupe is. A, it, I've heard it termed that it's a apparition, a miracle that's still occurring. Just the mere fact that that wonderful atonement is still available for us to see. I mean, that's miraculous. It is. And when I was doing the, the research on that, I I read one 
little book, but it's a, a real powerhouse by a man named Francis Johnston, a book about Our Lady of Guadalupe. And the point that he made that I never occurred never occurred to me before, and I never saw it as um, as even an issue, was um, that the people of Mexico were were not certain that this miraculous image would remain. Mm-hmm. And a number of the preachers of the time would would preach sermons saying, you better be true to what the Blessed Mother is revealing to you, and you better love her, and you better be faithful, because she might go away. <laughs> you know, just mm-hmm. as quickly as she came to us, and unexpectedly, she might also vanish. And I never thought about that. But the fact that that image does exist 500 years later of course the material that the that the tim is made out of is supposed to disintegrate within 20 or 30 years and so there's no natural explanation for the fact that it's still here but the fact that our blessed mother does reveal herself and and and, and makes plain to our eyes this mystery and the other thing about our lady about the miracle of our lady of guadalupe that i love so much is of all the apparitions this is the way the Blessed Mother herself shows us what she looks like. You know, the others are sort of artist re- re- uh, reconceptions. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sure they're very true. But this is, if you will, Our, our Lady's own uh, handiwork. And uh, it makes it that much more lovable for me. Mm. The apparitions of Our Blessed Mother that have been approved by the Church. And how those who have a great devotion to Our Lady and just accept these things, it's difficult to articulate to others, especially those who are coming from a different road in their devotion to our Lord, that uh, how do you explain that to others? Well, for me, the basis of Marian apparitions is is extremely scriptural. For me, it, it, the, it, their foundation can be found in the mystery of the visitation, that right after the Annunciation of Gabriel to, to the Blessed Virgin Mary, of um, her conceiving miraculously uh, the Son of God in her womb, the first thing the Blessed Mary does is to arise and proceed with haste, as St. Luke says, to her kinswoman Elizabeth in the hills of Judah. She also, Elizabeth, has conceived child in her old age after being barren for so many years, John the Baptist. And as you reflect on that, I mean, there were many things that the Blessed Mother could have done at that moment, but that's what she does. Mm-hmm. And it makes all of the difference in the life of Elizabeth. Uh, when the Blessed Mother appears, she exclaims, the child in my womb leapt for joy. And in a way, it is a confirmation to Elizabeth that everything that has happened to her truly is of God and for God and has made her that much more godly. She, it enables her to embrace the, the, the great mystery of her own life with new wonder and with new certainty. And, and it seems to me that every Marian apparition is a kind of a participation in that grace and that mystery of the visitation. When the Blessed Mother does appear... She appears in order to move us to embrace our own vocations, our own destiny, with a greater fervor, with a greater certainty. Uh, and all of the apparitions speak to 
living our life with a greater sense of, uh, of repentance, with a greater fidelity to Christ, with a greater obedience, etc. But there's something about the, the presence, the visible presence of the Blessed Virgin Mary before us that moves us and that assures us and that gives us this confidence to go forward, which is why even once these apparitions end, for example, in Lourdes, Lourdes still becomes, still continued to be uh, an extremely popular site of pilgrimage. Just knowing that the Blessed Mary, Virgin Mary was in this place, mm-hmm. to me, somehow changes my life. It gives me, as I say, a new hope. It, 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 it fires me with a, with a certainty and with a grace that, um, I don't know, just, just makes the, the reasonableness of living my faith all the more um, all, all, all the more attractive. Mm. Uh, so there's there's a very human dimension to it. And again, if, if the Blessed Mother didn't appear, I think there would be moments when we would be begging to see her face. I wonder how often she actually does come that to us in the circumstances of our own lives where we just have to you may never hear about those stories. You may never hear because of uh, what, for whatever reason, but I think she probably is very present in so many different ways in our lives everywhere. Oh, I agree. And again, the, some of these spiritual masters say, and this is also Dante in the Divine Comedy, they say the Blessed Virgin Mary comes to us even before we call her. She's that present to us, that she's uh, aware of our need, as in Cana. You know, so for example, no one asks uh, the Blessed Virgin Mary to intervene and to uh, to have her son produce this miracle of all of these gallons of vintage wine. She's the one who is attentive. She is the one who has this empathy for for human need and for. And she saves the, the host from a potential embarrassment by not being able to provide enough for, for their guests. It's that kind of insight and that kind of self-donation uh, in regards the, the the sufferings of others and the, the concerns of others that is right at the core of the way the Blessed Virgin Mary loves us. And she always responds in the very way that she responded that day by associating human need with her son. This is why I'm so happy we have the luminous mysteries and we have uh, the among those mysteries the, the, the miracle of the, the wedding feast of Cana because every time I pray that, that's the meditation I make. I say this is the moment when the Blessed Virgin Mary identifies human need with her son. Now human need has an answer. And enough, I think nothing delights the heart of Mary more than to direct her immaculate heart to the need that exists in the world so that she continue can continue to sort of send the waiter over to Christ so that he can uh, he can transform it and he can redeem it just so beautiful uh, father peter cameron any final thoughts i'm just very grateful to you chris for for having me on the show and for asking me so many um wonderful things about the book um, it was giving me a chance to sort of relive uh, the wonderful experience of, of writing it and I, and I hope the readers appreciate it 
I do too. I think it is essential. Mysteries of the Virgin Mary, living Our Lady's graces. You will not be disappointed. It is such a gem, Father. And I don't normally say that. It was was such heart and passion behind it. But this is the one I wish I could just give to everybody. It's just beautiful. Can we ask for your priestly blessing? Certainly. May Almighty God bless you, keep you. In the name of the Father, of the Son, of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Father Peter Cameron, thank you so much. Thank you, Chris. It was a pleasure speaking with you. We've been going inside the pages of Father Peter John Cameron's book, Mysteries of the Virgin Mary, Living Our Lady's Graces. Father Peter Cameron's book can be found at servantbooks.org, the website for servant books. To hear and download this discussion along with many others, please visit www.insidethepages.com. I'm Chris McGregor. Join me next time for Inside the Pages, insights from today's most compelling authors.